Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. Jenna Wolf with Nick and Kevin. Chris Broussard is with us on a Thursday morning. What a fun show we have for you today. Time is ticking for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys to get a deal done. Can Cam Newton and Bill Belichick coexist? One Hall of Famer says, yes. I don't think so. And Wilds already says yes. Uh, why in the world are we talking about Kawhi's health already yet again? To all be discussed over the course of the next hour. But on the heels of Patrick Mahomes' new deal, we turn our attention to reigning MVP Lamar Jackson. Is he the next quarterback to get paid? And if so, when? And if yes... What is a fair prize for the second youngest MVP in league history? So the Baltimore Sun had this to say, if Mahomes got a reported $450 million and up to $503 million overall, how much could Jackson get? After breaking the bank Monday, Kansas City made Ravens GM Eric DaCosta's job at once a little easier and a little harder thanks to Mahomes' deal. The Ravens know what it costs one team to re-sign a superstar quarterback, and it ain't cheap. Nick, you think the Ravens should commit to Lamar the way the Chiefs committed to Patrick Mahomes? No, not quite. And that's not a shot at Lamar. I think Lamar's the fourth best quarterback in football. And if you wanted to argue he's second or third, I, I, I understand the point. He's consensus top five quarterback. But the reason the Chiefs could commit to Patrick Mahomes the way they did is because not only of the seemingly limitless upside of which Lamar shares. Lamar's upside is nearly as high as Patrick's. But because Patrick has, and this is critically important, an incredibly high basement, an incredibly high floor, an incredibly high downside, if you will, the, the variance between the best and the worst of Mahomes is relatively small. Lamar can't say that. And Lamar also can't say he is a fully formed, totally 100% well-rounded quarterback yet. There are still some holes in his game that unfortunately have been exploited in his couple playoff appearances. And so the Chiefs, people are saying it's $140 million guaranteed, but they have to guarantee each year of the contract a full 15 months before that year starts. So it's almost entirely guaranteed for a decade and because of that, Broussard, it is the only player in the league I'd be comfortable giving that type of deal to is Russell Wilson. And Russell might be a touch too old. And so, I no, I, it's no shade to Lamar, but I, this was a once-in-a-lifetime contract, Broussard, for a truly once-in-a-lifetime player in Patrick Mahomes. In the words of my eye couple radio partner, Rob Parker, no way, no how. I I'm sorry. There's no way you can give a 10-year or, or ultimately 12-year contract to Lamar Jackson at this point. And first of all, Patrick Mahomes has won an MVP, as has Lamar, but he's also won a Super Bowl. And he has a style of play that we know, barring right. you know some unforeseen injury, he can last for 12, 15 years or more. The way he plays is will last the test of time. Whereas Lamar, as Nick mentioned, he's been exposed a bit in the playoffs, and you wonder if when when teams have time to prepare for Lamar, like a couple of weeks, then do they do they solve him a bit? I know he had big numbers against Tennessee last year, but Tennessee was a wild card team, and the Ravens only put up 12 points 
which was like a third of what they did in the regular season. So Lamar, beyond all that, his style of play, I hope it lasts. I've been surprised that he's been able to play it for this long. But even if the, the number of hits and the wear and tear doesn't eventually get to him, at age will get to him, and he'll have to stop running as much. He won't be as shifty. He won't be quite fast over time. And so, no, I, I'm not sure this, this style is going to last the test of time. And so he's going to have to become a much better passer to Nick's point. And at this point, we haven't seen that. So, uh, no, there's no way you can give him a 10-year deal at this point. Yeah, so here's the weird thing, Broussard. We might see this change, like, in three months. Lamar might stop running the ball. Like, the over-under on his yards have gone way down from last year to this year. Mahomes and Lamar have played basically the same amount of games. Mahomes played three more games. But Lamar's run the ball 352 times. Nick, Mahomes only run the ball 139 times. It's 200 more times. There's, you know, always everyone, like, holds their breath once Lamar doesn't slide. He hates sliding. Aaron Rodgers, after the Packers game, was like, hey, slide a bit. I'm like, I got you. And then he never slid. So I think we'll see Lamar sliding a lot more and basically playing a more conservative, safer style. And then, Nick, I have another question. Go wherever you want. You also call Mahomes a once-in-a-lifetime player. Like, we got a long time on this earth, you and I, Imbrasard, and we all got a long time. <laughs> you don't think you're ever going to see a guy like, well, you got 50 more years, 60 more years. I'm drinking Soylent, live 75, 80 more years. Like, you don't think you're going to see another guy like Patrick Mahomes for the rest of well, your life? Let, let me, I, it, it is hard to look into the future, but if I, who's the oldest True. person covering the NFL? Probably Gil Brandt. So has Gil, how many Patrick Mahomes has Gil Brandt seen in his lifetime? One. So like if you were 90 years old right now, he'd be a once in a lifetime player. If you're five years old, will he be a once in a lifetime player? Well, I don't know. He yeah. might have a son who could, you know, emulate some of what he does. I guess we'll <laughs> wait and see. Uh, but I, there, there is an element to every Lamar Jackson conversation that I think goes unsaid that I'm going to go ahead and say, which is before he was drafted, he was subjected to some ludicrous analysis, and it, it bordered some of it on offensive about how smart he was, his ability to handle an NFL offense, even though he was in a pro-style offense at Louisville. And because of that, Folks that wanted to push back on it became deeply entrenched on the other side, which is Lamar's going to be a star, wait and see. Even, I think, some folks who weren't quite sure of it, they, wa they wanted to not be on the wrong side of the argument. And then Lamar comes out and wins a damn MVP, and those folks, understandably, feel totally vindicated. But I'm one of them. And you're... Your gut reaction then is to continue to not only want to double down on it, but also to want to push back against the bad and at times biased pre-draft analysis. And that has caused, right. in my opinion, Broussard, a bit of a snapback where the biggest Lamar advocates have been hesitant to acknowledge the fact that there are some holes in his game, that it is usually a, a flashing red light if the two worst games of your career up to this point are the two biggest games of your career. That even, it, he's a better passer than a lot of people gave him credit for, Broussard, but still, when teams want to beat them,
They try to make him pass. You can be a Lamar Jackson fan and advocate and be on the right side of the draft discussion and still acknowledge those things. And I feel like some people are hesitant to because so much of the conversation surrounding him before the draft was toxic and they're still trying to push away from it, Chris. No, I hear what you're saying. And look, the, the bottom line is this. We have never seen a guy like Lamar Jackson, period. And Michael Vick did not run as much as Lamar Jackson and quite frankly didn't run quite as well as Lamar Jackson. So this is well, all what? an experiment. Again, I was surprised that he made it the way he did last year throughout the entire season was healthy. Can you do that again? Look at Cam Newton. He's twice as big as Lamar Jackson, and the hits have taken their toll on him. Over time, they will eventually take their toll. We've talked about it a lot last season, Nick. Lamar's got to improve in passing to his wide receivers, particularly on this, the, by the sidelines, outside the numbers. And so if he continues to do that, he's improved gr greatly last year as far yep. as his passing. If he makes that type of jump this year, he will eventually become more of a pocket passer, not run quite as much, and then we can look at maybe a Patrick Mahomes-type deal. But at this point, no, there are still too many question marks. We talk about Lamar's style of play, but it was Patrick Mahomes who actually got hurt last season. After Lamar and maybe Deshaun Watson, is Dak the next one on that list? His deadline to get a long-term deal done with the Cowboys is fast approaching. This is First Things First. Drawing a blank, guys. The Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, have less than a week now to get a long-term deal done with Dak. And NFL.com reports said a deal from Dallas is on the table, but it's longer than Dak wants. He doesn't appear to want to budge. Cowboys don't appear to want to budge. So, Nick, with less than a week to get a deal done and seemingly no budging, Dak should feel blank. Like William Lee Bergstrom. Let me tell you all a quick story. Back oh, in 1980, classic. a man named William Lee Bergstrom walked into Binion's Casino, had a suitcase full of money, $700,000, said, I want to risk it all on one roll of the dice. Roll of the dice came, and he won. Never to be seen again until four years later, he comes back. Half a million. Want to do it again. Won again. Took his mom to a Willie Nelson concert. Came back. Put another 150,000 down. One again to come back four months later, try it again with a million bucks and lose. I say all that to say this. Dak rolled the dice last year, rolled the dice throughout the year, rolled the dice a few months ago, keeps coming up winners by turning down a deal, turning down a deal. Eventually, you might crap out, Dak Prescott. You take your winnings, take your earnings. You've got the bird in the hand of 105 million guaranteed sitting right there. Learn the hard lesson that William Lee Bergstrom never did. At some point, it, the hot hand runs out. Take your money and run, Dak. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Nick telling gambling stories, and, and usually there's there's a lot of success involved in them. But th this to me isn't isn't as much of a gamble. I, th I think there's. I think this is more a function of being excited because worst case scenario, you get the, the franchise tag and you get $31 million, which is $20 million more than Patrick Mahomes is getting this season. Then you have a chance to hit free agency next year. And the, the, the second part of this is as it gets closer to deal time, and this used to happen all the time with my GM, there'd be months and months where nothing would move. And then a day before things have to get done, suddenly they find a, a, a way to get it done. So he should be excited about that. And he should be excited that Patrick reset the market in a lot of ways. 
it, it's all good for him at this point. Yeah, I, I agree, Coach. I feels like they're, they're cramming for a test, and as we get closer to July 15th, it'll happen. Nick, quick question for you. The way you told that story, you almost acted like it was Willie Nelson's fault. He took his mom to the Willie Nelson concert and then lost? Are you claiming that this is something to do with Willie Nelson concert going? And no, I was just trying to add some color. If he has a plan color. to go, should he not go? Okay, no, all right. I just thought I was, I was trying to add I some color. I thought, it was, I thought it was a nice story. Went half a million on a dice roll, and you're like, Mama, we're going to go see Willie Nelson. I just like that little added part of the story. People forget like, that part they of saw the Willie Nelson, they lost. Story. So Willie Nelson's like, well, yeah, well, not my it, fault. Well, yeah, uh, listen. Maybe Nick a little, you know, contact a guy for details. something else. Who knows? Yeah. And Keep I'm going, guys. Exactly Speaking right of quarterbacks who are due to get paid. Texans all-everything quarterback Deshaun Watson. So our friend Jake Glazer said Watson, quote, will be with the Houston Texans for a good decade or so. Unless, of course, Bill O'Brien trades him for not much. Uh, Nick, Deshaun Watson's long-term future with the Texans is blank. I actually think this is Dak-related. And here's why. <laughs> We've never seen a quarterback of Dak's caliber actually play the franchise tag game and then end up truly hitting free agency. I, I know we saw Kirk Cousins do it. I think Dak's a touch better. I know Deshaun's better. Here's why I say it's Dak-related. If Dak doesn't sign a long-term deal and then two years from now hits free agency, I think Deshaun, given how Houston's been run, given some of the issues with management there, I think Deshaun might start to look at that as a real option. If Dak ends up setting, well, I don't know if it's settling, but accepting a long-term deal, I think Deshaun probably says, nobody plays the franchise tag game. Whatever the best deal they offer me is, is going to be the one I end up taking. But if Dak could be as much of a trendsetter as Mahomes was. Mahomes trendset in one direction, take a decade-long extension. If Dak keeps refusing offers and says, I'm going to hit true free agency, a better quarterback like Deshaun Watson might follow suit coach. Yeah, I think I think the future is, is promising. And, and as much as you want to kill Bill O'Brien every single opportunity you get, I, I think he recognizes the, the value that Deshaun has and the fact that he, he's led him to back-to-back -back playoff bursts. He's got a quarterback rating With DeAndre of over 100. He's got he's got an interception to um, touchdown rating that's that's very good. It, it's it's pretty obvious how bright his future is, how much. He means the organization. I think if it does get into a situation where a deal can't get done, the the people that are higher up than Bill O'Brien will, will step in and make sure that happens. God? Yeah, Coach, that's why I, I said I don't know there books. is anyone higher up than Bill. God. <laughs> I said QuickBooks. Like, whatever, whatever the Texans need to do to sign Deshaun Watson to a long-term deal, they should do it. Now, the curious part about Bill O'Brien is Deshaun Watson's on record saying he loves Bill O'Brien. He's got a great relationship. And DeAndre Hopkins is sending mean tweets to him talking about 24 nothing. So it's an odd relationship, but it feels like Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson are in lockstep, Jenna. All right, let's bounce over to the NFC West now, where the odds are getting better every day that Jadavian Clowney makes his return to Seattle. He reportedly received an offer from the Raiders, and the Browns reportedly had some interest, but Seattle seems to be the front runner. Nick, Jadavian Clowney signing with the Seahawks would be blank. Great for everyone involved. Listen, the Seahawks need another difference maker along the front seven. 
He was their best defensive lineman last season. The big offer he thought was going to materialize this offseason hasn't. So go back to a place where you know you're valued on the field, where you can compete for a Super Bowl. Seattle might be the favorites in the NFC this year, certainly close to it, and try to cash in next year. He is a spectacular run defender. He needs to get his sack total up if he wants to get the type of money that he thought he was going to get. But I think going back to Seattle and resetting could be great for everyone, Coach. Yeah, th this is not surprising at all. Sometimes what happens with, with free agents is they need to go out and they need to test the market. And they need to find out from from the rest of the league where their value is. And unfortunately for, for Jadavion, he goes from back-to-back nine-sack season to a three-sack season. And it's it's not as impressive as, as he hoped and and not as compelling to the rest of the teams as, as he thought it was going to be. So now he has a, an, an opportunity to go back to Seattle at probably a rate that Seattle's more comfortable with, play another season in a system that he knows, have a chance to, to get those numbers up and really produce at a, a much higher level and hit the market again next season. It, it's the, the best of a situation that I'm sure he's disappointed with. Huh. I, I think it'd be welcome. I, I'd like to see him back there. You know, Seattle's pass rush is even worse than you think when you really dig into the numbers. There's only four teams with less than 30 sacks. They were one of them along with the Dolphins. And then their pressure rate is dead last on quarterbacks. And look, PFF still has Jadavian Clowney as the 10th best player in his position, but like sacks aren't his thing. So maybe I think Seattle realized that as they come back in, we'll still make a run. We respect you. And you know, free agency's not your not your ball game right now. I agree with Coach. I think Clowney got humbled. Uh, let's finish with Cam Newton. Patriots hopping on board with Cam's favorite font to help officially announce his signing yesterday. I, I got to admit, I'm impressed. You know what would really impress me? Great. If they start printing all the playbooks in this font. That Now that would be something oh. I could see Belichick doing. Uh, Nick, the Patriots welcoming Cam Newton with his favorite font is blank. Sign of things to come. My, oh, my, how times are changing in New England. Oh, Cam's going to have to learn Tom Brady's playbook. No, he's not. They're going to adjust to what he does well. Oh, the pay Cam's going to have to catch up with the head start Jared Stidham has. I, listen, I, I don't know the tweets the Patriots' official Twitter account has sent out in Jared Stidham's favorite font, which I assume to be Comic Sans. So I it just, it's sign oh, of things come to on. come. This is the face of the franchise, the new face of the great. franchise. I'm excited to see it. And I, while I'm not a Patriots fan, as much as Wilds tries to make me and Coach would love me to be, I will be rooting for their offense throughout the season to see Cam have a wonderful <laughs> bounce back so here. This is a sign of things to come, Of course Coach. you will. <laughs> I, I'm, I know Nick loves to, to, to bet and pick teams. I'm, I'm glad he doesn't pick stocks. If he thinks that... Twitter in New England is the indicator of how things are going to operate in New England. That, that's a pretty big concern for me. I, I, I would imagine that, that Bill typically addresses the, the head of social media and says, you know, what do you think we should do next? Because that tweet was really compelling. This, this to me is, is confusing. This this to me is, is confusing because I, I just don't, I don't get the the... Kind of like Jenna doesn't get video games and how they're not cartridges anymore. I don't totally get this. This okay, uh, that was fine. for off-camera, Coach. Awesome. Oh, Listen, hey, uh, <laughs> Wilds, 
Co Coach can say, yeah, like, and I think, you know, it's compelling that Belichick's got nothing to do with any of the, you know, technological aspects of the Patriots. But Wilds, I mean, the NFL obviously disagrees. I do think the same day they uh, signed Cam, the NFL ripped a third-round pick for him for something that the Patriots website was doing. They're like, oh, no, this is for our team website. That's why we're taping the Bengals. So, listen, I mean, are you Belichick? Maybe he's handling the Twitter. Maybe he's handling the team website. I don't know. It's just what people are saying. And so I just think it it's a sign of things to come. And Coach clearly agrees, I can tell, because he's nodding Wilds. Well, sure, yeah, we, we did lose a draft pick and maybe a maybe a million dollars too, but uh, didn't make any headlines because we got Cam Newton, so that's the way it goes. It's a price. It's probably, when I say we, I mean uh, you know all Patriots fans, me, Nick Wright, you, several uh, hundred million people around the globe. <laughs> we, the collective uh, we. Yeah, so uh, so I went with unselfish Nick because you know the big story down in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's twelve. You had to get it from Chris Godwin. It was a big disaster. But unselfishly, Pat Patriot gives up the number one jersey to Cam Newton. And Nick, check check your uh, doorstep. That jersey's coming from Fanatics. They just came up. So, you know, keep checking, Nick. It's going to show up one of these days. You can wear it on the show. We both can. I'm going to get you the red one. scary the blue one. Boom. I don't like that mascot. I don't like the mascots with the oversized human heads. I don't like it. They all do. It is a little confusing. Scary. Hey, guys. Requirement. Question for you. Why are we talking about Kawhi and load management again? We'll tell you in about two minutes. This is First Things First. On Sunday, NASCAR Cup Series action takes off from Kentucky Speedway. 2.30 Eastern on FS1. Then how about this? For the first time ever on Wednesday, the NASCAR All-Star Race takes on the short track at Bristol Motor Speedway. You can see all your favorite drivers in action starting at 8.30 Eastern on FS1 and the Fox Sports app. Looking forward to that. We're back here with Chris Broussard. Time for stories to start your morning, Broussard. Nice. Here we go. The Nets signed Jamal Crawford to a one-year deal yesterday. Remember, Brooklyn had three vacant roster spots after traveling to Orlando Tuesday with only 12 healthy players. Nick, start with you. The last game Jamal Crawford played, and he scored 51 points. How many points do you think he averages when the NBA picks up again? Oh, all of a sudden, he's going to have to be one of the Nets' go-to scorers. So in the Nets' very abbreviated run, I think he could average, you know, 18 points a game because I think he's going to get the opportunities. Now listen, Jamal's old. Everyone loves him. If he balls out, maybe he gets a spot in the league next year. I think it's probably a wrap for him, Wilds. But I'm excited to see him get one kind of farewell tour and see if he catches on somewhere. Yeah, I think you're right about about 18, Nick. But I think it's going to be a weird 18. I think there's going to be some games with nine. I think there'll be a game with like 31. So I'm expecting a big performance out of Jamal Broussard. Man, I hope both of you guys are right. Uh, I love Jamal Crawford. He's one of my favorite guys in the league. He's a lot of people, people's one, one of their favorite guys. Uh, a lot of people yep. say he's your favorite Great. player's favorite player. <laughs> but um, yeah. 18, wow. I know, look, his last Seems three high. games he played, he averaged 35 points. A generation of 51. Yes. But it's hard to see that. I say 12. Oh, okay. okay. All right, well, let's stick with Brooklyn. They still have those two spots to fill. They're reportedly moving toward a deal with Michael Beasley. Nick, Let's how go. much do you think Durant's friendship with Beasley maybe would influence this signing? Well, I mean, yeah, listen, Kevin Durant maybe hasn't played a game for the Nets, 
but he helped oust the coach. I think he's already picking the next one, and now he's doing the roster spots as well. So KD has got his hands in a lot of pots right now. Good for him, keeping himself busy while he's rehabbing. We hope to see him back as one of the five best players in the world next time he's on the court, probably with Ty Lue, his hand-picked coach, and maybe maybe Beasley catches on full-time with him as well. It's exciting. DeAndre That's Jordan right. in the starting lineup the way he wants. Just, you know, it's all coming up KD right now, Wilds. <laughs> I, I, I love Except it. I love it. Look, he's number two pick. He never, like, really hit his potential. But KD always thought that he never got a fair shot. Thinks he can play in the league at the high level. Broussard, they still have one more spot. I want to see Isaiah Thomas on that team, too. Hey, oh. that's not a bad oh. name. Uh, it's, it is so interesting how Kevin Durant is just following in the footsteps of LeBron. You mentioned it. Look, he joined the super team. He started the boardroom kind of like more than an athlete. Then he left picking the super team. Now he's picking the coaches and the players on the roster. <laughs> I like it. And uh, look, it's, it's slim pickings out there. Beasley is a scorer. And I think, hey, if, he, if he's on the team, he deserves to be. I'm sure KD would love to know that he's following in LeBron's footsteps. All right, moving on to he Kawhi Leonard he now. He's a soccer team, so too. He did. Right. Chris Haynes reported last night Kawhi did not travel with the Clippers to Orlando on Wednesday, reportedly given permission by the team to tend to a family matter. We are hearing he'll join the team in the next couple of days. The other concerning part of this story, guys, is health. So The Athletic put out an article yesterday asking in part, is he closer to 100% now? Did the time off even make a difference? Will he rest during the team's back-to-back -back against Portland and Brooklyn? Is he on a minutes limit? Will that change in the postseason? <laughs> we still have countless questions regarding Leonard's status. I hear Broussard laughing, but Nick, we'll start with you. Cause for concern when it comes to Kawhi holding up through the NBA restart? Of course. This is one of the biggest concerns in the NBA, and it has been over the last four years. The last time Kawhi Leonard made it through a season injury-free without massive load management, without laboring at the end of the year, Barack Obama was the president of the United States. It's been that long. And last year, with, despite the fact that he sat out 25% of the games, Broussard, after his brilliant all-time out-of-this-world playoff series against the Sixers, where he averaged 35, 10, and 4, 40 minutes a night, was the best player on the court and hit the game-winning shot. What did we see in the mm -hmm. next two rounds? Every other game, he was laboring. Every other game, it was a quad. Every other game, it, you weren't sure what you were quite going to be able to get out of him minutes-wise and athletically because... He has a condition. I don't even know if it's an injury. It's a condition, I guess. And so, Broussard, in the last six years, he's played more than 450 playoff minutes once. So, yeah, for your beloved Clippers, who I think you have, go, you have going faux, 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 a la Moses Malone's uh, Sixers, <laughs> I think that, you know, this is the massive concern. I mean, they said in the athletic article, Broussard, we don't know if he's going to play the back-to-back. -back. I do. I know. He's not going to play the back-to-back. -back. I can tell you that right now. And so, yeah, Chris, this is the biggest concern for your anointed champion Clippers. First of all, let me clear up some fake news. I am more of okay. a Lakers fan 
than a oh, Clippers no. fan. Uh, more of a LeBron oh, come on. fan. We would never know it, Broussard. Wouldn't know it. Unlike people on this show who will, will remain nameless, I pick with my head, not my heart. So uh, I have picked the Oh, wow. Ooh. Ooh. Mean Shots I, fired. I, I'm a huge Clippers fan. But I will, I will, look, there's no denying that Kawhi's health is always a concern. Uh, everything I'm hearing is that he's fine and that he's healthy, that he's been working hard. And also, look, let's remember, he does move to the beat of his own drum. In Toronto, he obviously had his medical guy. You know, he sat out a lot of games. In, with the mm -hmm. Clippers, he has his own medical guy. You know, so I'm not shocked that he's traveling on his own. He's kind of done that. But Nick is right in that there's some type of degenerative condition with that knee. I was saying, you know, a few weeks ago that I expected him to probably have low management for these eight regular season games. I mean, he may play seven, he may play six. I'd be shocked if he played all eight. He probably will sit that back-to-back. -back. But when it's playoff time, I do think he'll be there to play. You know, there could be a game or two where he's laboring, to use Nick's word. But the bottom line is when the dude plays, he produces. So if he can be the Kawhi he was in the regular season, even the Kawhi he was last year in the playoffs, despite the knee bothering him a little bit, then the Clippers should be in pretty good shape. Guys, what? go ahead, Wiles. I was going to say, what am I missing here? The guy's had four months off. He's going to come back in with some load management. I know everyone's had four months off, but four months, if you got a condition potentially that requires some rest, this is all the rest you could possibly need. What, what am I missing? Well, what, so, what everybody Jenna, said, I think look, it... there's something going on with that knee. There, there is really, I think, a degenerative condition with that knee Mm -hmm. that no matter how much time he has off, he's going to have to management, manage it. And I think playing a lot of back-to-backs would really bother that knee over the long haul. Go ahead, Wilds. So I guess the question, I got a question for Nick. Like, Nick, you sometimes sound like a Clippers fan, so my head is spinning because you sound like a Clippers fan. Broussard, who always sounds like a Clippers fan, is now claiming that he's the Lakers fan, so I'm caught in the middle of this marriage. It's very difficult. So, Nick, here's the weird thing. If you want to root for the Clippers, which it feels like you kind of do. I don't know if you want LeBron to get over the, the, the Clippers hump there. The good thing about when he was load managing in Toronto is Toronto was still good. He would sit out, and then Raptors went 17-5. and five. When he sits out with the Clippers, they're not good. They're 6-7. and seven. And granted, two of those games were without Paul George, so it's sort of a double whammy for the Clippers. But we know that he load managed his way to a championship. So, like, why are you worried about load management right now, Nick? Okay, so the, a number, a number of things. The, the, I'm concerned because we cannot be so results-based. Everyone, like, so here's the deal. Oh my right? god! Last year, last. Well, oh, hold on. Last year, I'll go, who I'm were the two most load managed players in the sport? Kawhi and Joel Embiid, they played each other in a playoff series. So whoever won, you could argue, well, load management worked. Somebody had to win that series. In the finals, if people believe the Raptors would have beaten a healthy Warriors team, then more power to them. I saw a Warriors team that had Kevin Durant for a quarter and a half, had Klay Thompson blow out his knee, still have him in a two-point game with a minute left in game six of the finals and be that close to a game seven. So this idea that, well, 
Kawhi has hacked the system. This is how you succeed in the NBA. The way you succeed at playing basketball is to actually not play basketball. I find that to be curious. You mentioned they're six and seven in the games he's missed. Now they are getting uh, almost let off the let off the hooks. The wrong word, but they're not being punished for the fact that they are the three. They're probably going to end up being the three seed due to some of that load management. But due to the fact that there's no home court advantage. But Jenna, you say he's had four months off. We started talking about this load management thing before it was in vogue on October 30th because I was sounding the alarm, Broussard, that it wasn't Halloween. He had just already had an off season and he was already missing games. And so it is, there is no amount of rest, evidently, that it would appear that Kawhi can get to where he can play a regular NBA schedule. Like every other superstar we have ever seen in the history of the league this side of Bill Walton. And so you just have to bake that into it. And it is a massive concern. And I think Broussard Wilds' point that the Raptors had a more fully a more well-rounded team to where they could deal with him not being at 100% or him not playing is an important one for this postseason. The Clippers traded away a lot of that depth to get Paul George, and if Kawhi isn't fully functional Kawhi, they're in a bad spot against any Western Conference playoff team. Yeah, look, there's no doubt the Clippers cannot win the championship without Kawhi Leonard. It's as simple as that. I think, yeah. can they win a Maybe. But they can't win it without him. Toronto, remember, they were in the East, and they, and they didn't play the re- the uh, playoffs without Kawhi. In the regular season, they were fine. They wouldn't have went very far in the playoffs without Kawhi, I don't believe. I don't think they would have gotten past Philadelphia. They barely did, even I with agree. Kawhi. Yep. Obviously, they wouldn't have beat the Clippers Nick or uh, the Warriors. Nick is right about that. So, yeah, this is concerning. They cannot – they don't have a prayer – of winning the championship or going deep in the playoffs if Kawhi Leonard cannot be Kawhi Leonard. All right, we're going to load manage this segment by taking a commercial break. Talk some football. Will Cam Newton and Bill Belichick be able to coexist in Foxborough? One Hall of Famer's got some doubts. Next on First Things First. MLB on Fox returns on July 25th with Fox Saturday Baseball. And, of course, America's home for baseball this summer, as always, will be Fox and FS1. Get excited. All right, guys, we'll talk some Cam Newton in a second. But first, we are crazy in glove, said Beyonce. Check out Tiger center fielder Derek Hill. Ridiculous over-the-shoulder grab. A lot of people don't know this. Coach Mangini comes from a big baseball (laughs) family. He's also not easily impressed. Tell me this impressed you, Coach. This really impressed me. The speed, the athletic ability, the change of direction. Yeah, I I wish I could do any of those things. (laughs) Are we 100% sure this is a catch, Nick? Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, I've seen Edelman do this before. Oh, that's right. that's, I think that's a little grass. But it You're was a right. It's not a catch. Wilds is right. It's not a catch. That's and not a catch. I'm sorry. This is not a You're car. You're right. This is not a car. Next up, guys, Ja Rules. Ja Morant surprising his dad with a new car. It is seemingly all the rage lately. Pretty cool moment, Nick, no? Oh, I love it. My dad turned 70 in a month, and I asked him what he wanted. And he texts me a picture of a 56 Chevy Bel Air. 
So I'm like, oh, maybe those are cheap. <laughs> hey, spoiler alert, America, they ain't cheap. So I, I, I mentioned what? that, hey, congrats to John Morant. Also, Coach Mangini, you and I had talked a lot about getting involved in some finances together. I, I'll take a bridge loan of about 30000 and then we can talk more, because I would like to get my dad that car, have this viral moment. I think it'd be a nice thing. Why, so you can go to the <laughs> casino and put it on red? Yeah, because it's <laughs> a 56 Bel Air is a $60,000 car. So I borrowed 30, <laughs> right, double it, and we're good. You guys, check this out. Getting up to speed. Chiefs do everything receiver. McCall Hardman hitting 23 miles per hour on the treadmill. It's a shame, Kevin, that the Chiefs have no speed on their team. No, I just, I, I just, I, I'm just out on treadmill videos. I want to be optimistic. And I want to be what? positive. I know, I know it's a Chiefs. What? I just don't like. A, I don't what? like treadmills personally. I just, I, I find them terrible. I think they're awful. And B, like, look hour? how fast I can. Just blow your mind. Uh, well, it's like a slow twenty. I don't know. That that's like a three, three thirty for, for twenty seconds. I don't know, Jen. I'm just not I'm not a treadmill okay. guy. The not speed limit guy. in my neighborhood here is 20, just to give you some context. What do you think, Nick? Well, yeah, I mean, he's like the fourth fastest guy on the team, Coach. So, I mean, he's got if he wants to be one of the faster guys on the fastest team maybe in the history of sports, he's going to have to pick it up. So this is good training. Oh, this oh, is now they don't need more talent. Uh, on to Cam Newton now. So the Patriots <laughs> officially announced the Cam signing yesterday, a one-year incentive-leading deal. Even use Cam's special font to announce it. So Fox's Tony Gonzalez joined Colin on the herd yesterday to give his thoughts on how Cam and Bill Belichick will coexist. Take a listen. I quit. This is an odd couple. Uh, this is this is. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an analogy for it. I don't know. Oil and water. I, I, from, judging from what I've heard about Cam, and I don't know him personally, uh, and judging from what I've heard about Bill, Bill Belichick and the Patriot way, uh, it's not fun. And Cam likes to have fun from what I've heard. So I, I just think that culturally, I, I, I see this being a, a tough fit. I'm not saying it can't work. Well, what do you think, Nick? Should Patriots fans be a little worried about whether Belichick and Cam can coexist together? Fellow Patriot fans. With, yeah, with respect to the great Tony Gonzalez, the third greatest player in the history of one of the greatest organizations in sports, the Kansas City Chiefs, this is not the concern. Is it a concern? Sure. But as Marlo Stanfield would say, that's one of them good problems. Oh. I would rather my concern be my all-time great head coach might have slight person I don't even want to say personality issues slight different personality philosophies with my super talented quarterback than the other door the Patriots could have been walking through which is my head coach and my quarterback see everything perfectly aligned but the quarterback's not any good because there's a lot of people who I'm sure see football and philosophy the way Belichick does but they can't throw a 12 yard out and so they are of no use to him and I will also say this, and Coach Mangini, you obviously were there, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've seen a great video of Bill Belichick saying he does not mind if you celebrate after a successful play. He does not mind if you succeed and in the moment you enjoy your success as long as you get right back to doing your job. I think the idea 
that, especially given Belichick's glowing public comments before they got Cam, that he and Cam won't vibe. I don't know that that's true. I don't think they'll shop at the same, you know, clothing stores. But I think football-wise, they could get along quite well. And I don't think the Superman stuff is going to bother Belichick the way a lot of people say it will. I, I don't know where you fall on it, Coach. I, I agree with Tony. I think that this should be a giant concern. Outside of the, the injury concern, I think that's the first thing that, that you got to get past. And then this is the second thing. And there was nothing wrong with the Dalius Thomas when they signed him to, I think, the biggest free agent contract that, that the Patriots had done under Bill Belichick. But it didn't work out. Remember, he got sent home because he was late and then publicly yeah. spoke out and was suspended for a game. Okay. And then you got a guy like Michael Bennett who was suspended for a game and Chad Johnson didn't quite work out. It's it's not for every it's not for everybody and it doesn't mean that they're bad players, they're untalented players, they can't work somewhere else, but it's it's you need to adjust to the way that they do things and Bill's gotten a little bit older and typically when people get older they don't get get more um, flexible in the way they do things. They tend to get more ingrained in the way they do things. And that being reinforced by six Super Bowls and unprecedented success, you need to go there and you need to do it the way that they do it. Now, the other thing I'm going to add is when they had Tom Brady, the greatest at his position, who was willing to be coached hard and do things the way that, that the team wanted him to do it, it was easy for other really talented players to come to that building and say, oh, if Tom can do this, I can do it too. You don't have that anymore. So th there's potential for for uh, this not to work out because of that. Okay. If this doesn't work out, I'm moving to uh, Toronto. I'm going to root for the Argonauts or if Rocket Ismail is still up there because this has to work out. And I think Tony and you, Coach, have some fair points. You mentioned Thomas. You mentioned Bennett. Joey Galloway, Tebow, Chad Johnson, Albert Hainsworth. We've had a few signings that haven't worked out. We also had... And Dusty, I don't know if you printed it out. Randy Moss, his name is. He had three touchdowns, and then he had 23 touchdowns. And Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe we went 18-0 that season. So I think we're going to be okay. Because here's what I think Cam Newton likes to do more than anything else. Winning football games. And when you look at the Patriots' dominance and point differential for the last 14 years, there's Bill Belichick on the left, and there's wonderful Cam Newton on the right. That's what Cam Newton is interested in. That's why he took this small contract when we know that he could get a bigger contract somewhere else. So I think winning football games is all that matters right now to Cam, Nick, and I think it's going to work perfectly. Kevin, I went I went to Toronto last year. It's, it's a really lovely place. So, And I think that you can actually – I don't know if you can get in right now, but there's some some nice spots for you, for you and your family. I think the kids will be happy. There's a great international school there as well look as, as oh. much as you want to cite the one example where it where it did work that that goes back to my point is when you have tom brady who's sitting in the meeting and he's getting coached the same way that everybody else is, is getting coached it's hard even as a hall of fame player to come in and say okay i'm gonna do this differently okay i'm gonna come in and you're gonna bend to the way i want to do things and i'm not going to adjust the way you want to do things even though you've had the success that you've had and, and and people have tried it people have tried it and it didn't work out and they cut them and they moved on from them and that's just the way it is so if cam's willing to adjust i think it'll work out if not Can, he's going to be gone okay. early wait wait a second here this is so frustrating a couple points the patriots previously had two goats brady and belichick and last i yep. checked 
one of those goats is the one that just signed Cam Newton. That's first of all. Second of all, Cam Newton not working hard or not being coachable has never been an accurate knock on him. It, it, Norv Turner said, we're going to remake your throwing motion. Guess what? He remade it. And he, had, he completed 68, 69% of his passes until the TJ Watt hit that wrecked his shoulder in 2018. Like, it, it, Cam Newton also is not a dumb man. You think he doesn't know the Patriot way? But, you Nick, think he doesn't hold know? On a second. That, Nick, yeah. That, yeah. That, 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 that's not fair. I've never said that he doesn't work hard. I never said that, that he was unintelligent. I never said any of those no. things that, that you're implying I said. What I said is that there's a way of doing business in New England, and it's not for everybody. There's no officer's club in New England. If you're used to being the man year in and year out, and you're used to doing things with, with a certain amount of flexibility because of the status that you have, and then you go into that environment, it is a shock to the system. If but you're you don't not think Cam's willing coach, to change, Coach? I, look, I don't know. There's been players that have gone in and have been willing to change. There's been players that have gone in and haven't, and they've been moved on from. And all Tony was saying is he has a hard time seeing it work. I'm saying if he's willing to change, yeah, then he's got an opportunity to and, and, and adjust to the way that they do things. If not, it's not going to work out. But that... I don't don't imply that I'm I'm saying those other derogatory things about Cam. Oh, I no no no. So hold on. You 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 and I understand why you jumped in, but I wasn't saying at all that you said Cam was dumb. My point was Cam is aware things are done differently in New England and he opted for it. So all, like you would have to in order for to believe that Cam thinks that New England's not going to be doing things differently than Carolina, he would have to have a total lack of awareness around the NFL. I wasn't trying at all to say that you said he wasn't a bright guy, but I do think there is not necessarily from you, but out there, there's always been this I think unfair narrative that Cam isn't a worker. Have you seen how the guy works? How the guy looks? Pardon me. Like his yeah, level I of have. success in this league. He obviously works, and the Patriot, the two smart people, Bill Belichick and Cam Newton, came together and they said, "We want to work together." I just think it's going to take a, a shocking scenario for it not to work out, Jenna. Great job, All right, fellow we Patriots wrap up fan, the conversation. Nick Wright, everybody. Coach <laughs> Eric Mangini, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. We got to go. We're back here tomorrow morning. Stay safe, everyone.